Well, today, <clears throat> I want to talk to you about um, learning to hear God's voice. One of the unique things about the Christian faith is that God always speaks to his people. You'll find the phrase throughout all scripture, and God said, and God said. And so you realize that God wants to have <clears throat> an ongoing relationship with us. But you can't have a relationship without communication. Now, I don't know about any of you guys, but uh, sometimes I didn't hear what she said or I misunderstood what she said. So we have to have good communication. And all the men said, okay. Um, <clears throat> so I want us to consider that does God still speak to us today? And... Um, you know, he speaks in various ways. If you look through Scripture, um, he spoke from, with angels coming to Mary and announcing Gabriel. He uh, spoke even through a donkey. I mean, when you read about Balaam, and here he is having a conversation. When was the last time? You, well, no, I, but I mean, <laughs> had a conversation with a donkey, but he did. And, and I thought, this donkey's talking to you and trying to stop you from going the wrong way. Um, <clears throat> so God makes every effort to speak to us. And uh, he even spoke to Moses through a burning bush. And one of the keys of that was, of course, you know the story of Moses. And he, it was just an ordinary day, same old, same old, looking after sheep and out in the, the desert. <clears throat> But we, he saw this bush burning, but it wasn't consumed. And here's the key. He left his responsibilities of caring for the sheep, and he turned aside, and he came to the bush. That's when God spoke. That's where spiritual power begins. When we turn aside from everyday responsibilities, not that we're irresponsible, but that we turn aside to hear from God. The psalmist said, be still, and then you'll know that I am God. So one of the primary um, examples of God speaking and wanting to get our attention is in 1 Samuel. Of course, you hear, you know the story of Hannah, how she was barren, and that was a stigma, and uh, she was really being criticized and put down. And uh, she pleaded to the Lord and said, Lord, if you give me a son, I promise that I'll lend him back to you. Thank God for the prayers of mothers. Amen. Her prayers were answered, and it shaped the future of the people of Israel. And when Samuel became says as a young boy so he was around seven or eight he was out of diapers trained and everything but now he's in the house of the Lord and I want to pick up the reading in 1st Samuel 3 the first 10 verses so why I chose this is because it isn't just for older people God can speak to children so the boy Samuel he ministered before the Lord under Eli. He was the high priest. And in those days, the Lord 
the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. So it seemed for a long period of time God was silent. But one night, Eli, whose eyes were now becoming weak and could not barely see, uh, could barely see, he was lying down in his usual place. This is a great text. I could preach it, but I won't. But the lamp of God had not yet gone out. I think that's significant because that represented the presence of God. And Eli, he slept before the ark of the Lord. And before the lamp of the Lord, the Lord went out. Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark was, the ark of God. And then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. He answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and he said, here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and they lay down. And again, the Lord called, Samuel. Samuel got up and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am. You called me? My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lay down. So now Samuel did not know yet the Lord. He didn't recognize the voice of God at this point. He thought it was Eli. But there came a time when he recognized the voice of God. He learned to hear the voice of God. So he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? My son, I said, I did not call you. Go lay down. And now Samuel had not yet known the Lord. And the Lord, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am. You called me? Then Eli, he realized it must be the Lord that was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls, you say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and he lay down. And, he, and the Lord came and stood there calling, as, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So the Lord is always speaking. The thing is, we need to tune in to hear his voice. Right now, there are pictures, music, voices in this room. But what we need is we need a AM radio or we need an FM radio or we need to have a television receiver to get the pictures and and to hear the sounds but there's a higher frequency than all of that for the children of God and that is the frequency of the Holy Spirit we need to tune in and throughout Revelation in the message to the church was hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. That tells me that God wants to speak to us, but we can be so easily distracted. When we get up in the morning, we turn on the TV and hear bad news, or we turn on the radio. We can't stand silence, but we need to turn all of that off 
and tune into him. And when we do, I believe God will speak into our heart. So I want to just share with you three common major ways that God speaks to us today. First and foremost, he speaks to us from the Word of God. The whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation was given to us, how? By inspiration from God. That means God breathed. It's useful to teach us what's true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives, and it's God's way of making us well prepared at every point. So I want to remind you that this is the Word of God. It was written over 1,600 years by 40 different writers. But this is not man's thoughts about God. This is God's inspired word, verbal plenary inspiration. What that means is if I had a deflated balloon here and I held it to my mouth and blew up the balloon, tied a knot, my DNA would be in that balloon. God moved upon men of old and he breathed into them words of wisdom, inspired words. And they wrote what God, it wasn't their private interpretation, it was from God. And they wrote what God breathed into them. And that's why it, it, it's the inspired word of God. He takes ownership of this book. Although there's 40 different writers, there's only one author. And that's the Lord himself. And from Genesis to Revelation. There's a unifying theme of Jesus Christ and our redemption. The lamb slain in the garden. Even there was prophesied that the heel of the woman, the seed of the woman, would crush the enemy. And that the heel of Jesus Christ would crush the serpent's head. And all the way along, it's all God's plan of redemption. And so God speaks to us primarily by his word. We need to read it. We need to meditate on his promises. And as we do, it will strengthen our faith. Faith comes how? By hearing and hearing the word of God. And so every time we open the word, we shouldn't just glance through it or do it out of discipline. I'm going to do my devotions today. You need to find time and make time. Spend time worshiping him first and foremost. And as you worship him, it entertains his presence and it prepares our hearts. And as we read the word and say, Lord, speak to me today, he will and he does. I can think on different occasions throughout my life when God spoke to me. I came from a non-Christian home I'm the youngest in my family. When I was three and four, I would go downtown with my mom and do shopping. And then we would go upstairs to my father's office. He had an office downtown. And as I would go in, 
the receptionist would say, oh, and this is John, the baby of the family. And I said, I'm no baby. So every time I would go in with mom, that was the greeting. Oh, this is John, the baby of the family. I'm no baby. In grade two, I changed my name to David, John David. I say that because every time, you know, they always use the first name on the list. When it comes to licenses and, you know, passports, I leave it alone. But anyway, <laughs> in school, and they would say, you put your hand up and say, John. I'm not John, I'm David. And then I'd answer. So by the time mom came to parent-teacher's night and sat and talked, the teacher was calling me David, and my mom was calling me John. And she said, how come you call him David? Well, he corrects me every time. She came home and said, how come? I said, I want to be David. I'm not a baby. And so that stuck, grade two. We live life looking forward, but we understand it looking back. When I was called into the ministry, I just had my Gideon Bible. That's all I had. And... Uh, I was filling out my application to Bible college. Didn't question his call, but I questioned my commitment. I felt totally committed, con convicted because I was still smoking. I had no one to turn to because nobody in my house were following the Lord. <laughs> so I went up into the bedroom and I was feeling really strong conviction. And I said, God, I know you called me, but I'm still smoking. And I said, um, I, I don't know if you still want me. And if not, I won't finish the application, but I need to hear from you. And this is what he gave me. I had my little Gideon Testament. And uh, I didn't know it was King James. I didn't know anything in there. And I just prayerfully opened my Bible and this is what he spoke to me. I have found my servant, David. With my holy oil, I have anointed him. With whom my hand shall be established. My arm shall strengthen him. The enemy will not outwit him. I will beat down his foes before his face. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. And I will strengthen him in my name. And I knew God said it was okay to continue to send that application in. Why he had me change my name way back then in grade two was because that's how he spoke to me, to confirm the call of God. <clears throat> On different occasions, he has spoken to me through the word of God when we were planting a church in Hamilton it was in the bus era, era does anybody here remember when churches had buses I mean every like Kennedy Road my home church they had 30 buses and they were going out all over the place People's Church in Hamilton Bud Williams and Bethel Stu Mulligan they had all kinds of buses and they're bringing in you know, 800 to Sunday school, 1,000 to Sunday school. I had 12 people 
we bought a funeral home. God has a sense of humor. And <clears throat> I was right next door to the rental place. And Ernie Harbridge, he would come and t tell me what to do. Bust this out, do that, cut this. And I would go to the rental place and was cutting the wall. And I was busting out different, uh, the garage floor and all. I had 12 people and I had one bus. Bethel gave us one bus. But in a down day, when I just felt so low, if you go up Highway 20, not Lincoln Parkway or whatever it is, but go up Highway 20, top of the hill, turn left, and over here is a park area with a cross. And that cross would light up at night. So I went up there with my Bible, and I looked over the city, Stony Creek, east end of Hamilton, and we were down over here. And I said, God, I, I don't know if you got the right guy to do this. I'm not real handy. I'm doing the best I know. Um, everybody's running up in the hundreds in Sunday school. We might have 10. I don't know how many we had at the time. We just had 12 people. <clears throat> and uh, so I had to hear from him. And it's in those times when he speaks. And this is what he gave me in Acts chapter 10. I'll find it here. Now, I know I got it. It's Acts 18. Here it is. All I had was my Bible and I was praying over the city and I was asking God for a word. And this is what deposited faith into me. So I didn't quit. I kept going. <clears throat> Acts 18, verse 9. Do not be afraid, but speak. Do not keep silent. For I am with you. No one will attack and hurt you. For I have many people in this city. And they began to pray in tongues over Stony Creek, over East End Hamilton, up Quigley Road, I can still remember praying because God deposited faith in me and I heard from heaven and I prayed over the city. I preached a message on Sunday and it deposited faith in the people of, uh, of Parkdale, just 12 of us. And I said, if you have anyone that's a friend that you want me to visit, I'll go see them. And one by one, they came in and then they brought others and others and that's how it began I just know God speaks today if we take time to listen not only does he speak through his word that's the primary thing you can always check things out by the word of God if it doesn't add up throw it out I don't care how many visions you have if it's off the rails it's off the rails it's always the Holy Spirit will never violate the word of God he'll confirm it but never violate it <clears throat> the second way that God speaks today is through anointed preachers and it says here where's that next one Christ himself gave apostles prophets evangelists 
pastors and teachers. Why? To equip, it isn't fireworks, <laughs> to equip this people for works. That should be for works. <laughs> That's just to get our attention. That's why. For works of service that the body of Christ may be built up. And if you have fireworks, I'll tell you what, that'll get things moving. Amen? <clears throat> so you look at men. Why would God call pastors? So that we could be taught, that we could be built up, that we could be instructed. Men like Charles Stanley, Jack Hayford, Andy Stanley, Robert Morris, and all of these things. So, you know, all of these things build us up because God uses pastors. You can't go down to the unemployment office and say, oh, I think I have an aptitude here. I'm going to be a pastor. That isn't how it works. God calls. It's not just a job. It's a calling. And when God calls pastors and teachers, it's to build us up. It's to edify and so we need to pray for the leadership of the church. We need to pray for the, the uh, board as they meet for uh, this meeting on Thursday, that God would speak into hearts, that God would somehow say, this is the one. And if it isn't, just like Samuel, he went down the line, that's not the one, that's not the one, that's not the one. But God has one. And so we need to be prayerful for that. Because this isn't just an ordinary thing. This is God's church, not yours, not mine. He's called us from all kinds of walks of life. But he will put in authority over us a pastor called by God to build you up and take you to the next level. That is how God works. And so he will speak through pastors even as they're preaching the word. I'll tell you a few faith stories. I can remember the time when I went to Burlington, and this is my very first service. Burlington is a large church. It's the district church. So you have their um, district superintendents, member of, of the executive. You have some retired ones there. And this is my very first service. And here I am, I'm up preaching about making your life count for God. And while I'm preaching, you know, forget the things that are behind you. And then I went on, you know, and to my second point. And while I'm preaching, God speaks to me, and he tells me what I should be doing. And yet I'm still preaching. People didn't know what was going on, but I did. And I knew God was talking to me. And he said, I want you to go back to your first point and do this. And I said in my heart while I'm still preaching, <laughs> God, I don't want to look unprepared that I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I mean, this is my first Sunday. And I think this guy, you know, where, 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 what's he doing now? But I knew the voice of God, and I thought, you always have to obey what he says. So I stopped, and I said, you know, folk, I really feel led. I need to go back to my first point. I've never done this before. I've done it since at times, but the first time was the best because it worked. It was a God thought. 
God speaks through pastors. And while I was preaching, he told me to go back, and I said, now, I don't know what it is that the enemy is using to hold you back in defeat. I don't know what terrible sin it is or what it is, but God knows. And he's, what, we, what I want us to do right now, because the devil's a liar, Jesus can set you free, and he can forgive you no matter what it is. I want you to take your pointer finger and your palm, and it says to lift up hands without wrath and without doubting. And I want you to put the initial here. Is it pornography? Is it anger? Is it adultery? Whatever. Between you and God. But you put the initial on your hand. And now we're going to lift it to the Lord. And we're going to give it to him. Then I went on. And I didn't know. Nothing, you know. But the next day, an executive businessman came to the office. The secretary said, oh, there's a gentleman here to see you. And I, I was on my way to do hospital calls. I said, okay, well, bring him in. And he would be, I would say, 48 or 50, three-piece suit, real executive type. And he came in and introduced himself. And he was from California, but he was sent up to help straighten out John Deere. <laughs> in Burlington, and uh, he, he was there to expedite things. But he began to tell me his story after that. <clears throat> and he said, Pastor, do you remember when you did this? I said, yeah. He became unglued. He said, I was an Assembly of God pastor. I had an affair, I lost my marriage, I lost my ministry. And he named big names out of California. <clears throat> and if I named them, you would recognize them. His grandfather was one of the founding pastors of the Assemblies of God. And as he broke, he told me a story. He said, so this woman became impregnated and we ran away. He said we tried to preach in different places, but the story would catch up, and it would open the wound again, open the wound again. So I finally gave up and gave myself to business, and he was very successful. And he said, uh, but I told my son <clears throat> that I really was, it, it wasn't his son. It, it, I got it mixed up. Yeah, my wife would keep me straight. So, but he took this babe, but it, he wasn't his biological father. But he raised him as his own. And he, now the, the son is 18 years old, and he had a heart-to-heart -heart talk with him, and he said, I'm not your real father. And he told him the story. His son was shocked, angry, went upstairs, packed a few things, and he ran away. They didn't know where he was. And he said, the police can't find them. We've got a police checkout for a missing person. And he said, this is on Sunday. He said, on Saturday, 
my wife took an overdose. She's in McMaster Hospital. And I didn't know if she was going to make it. The doctors couldn't promise anything. And he said, I drove by your church, and I knew it was a Pentecostal church. I saw the sign. And he said, I said, God, I'm going to go to that church tomorrow morning. I know everything here, but I haven't felt anything here for a number of years. And unless you speak to me and I encounter you, I'm going to do myself in. Totally weeping. And he said, when you When you did this, and I wrote, I raised my hands, and the first time in 15 years or more, I felt the presence of God. I went to the hospital, and they said, she's going to make it, and I'll bring my wife with me next Sunday. I prayed for them. Nobody knew. They were sitting up here right where Hans is. <clears throat> And I always remember the hymn, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Wonder how he could love me. <laughs> but he did. Both hands raised, tears running down. I came to the altar that morning. I don't often prophesy when I preach. But that morning, it always seems when I'm praying for people. And I, I prophesied over them. And I said, <clears throat> that the Lord's going to send your son home and he's going to fall at your feet, weeping and saying, you are my dad. Well, that night, that's when they had two services. This is my second Sunday. <clears throat> that night, I thought, well, I'll meet with two round tables so I can get to know this is a large congregation. And I thought, you know, we'll do that for the next little while and around the table I'll get to know people. And while I was sitting at the table, my treasurer came and he said, Pastor, there's a phone call. There's a man in the kitchen phone you. So well, take a message, I'll call him. He said, Pastor, you need to take it now. And I went, answered the phone. And it was this gentleman weeping. He said, my son came home today. I prayed with him in the morning. My son came home today. And it's just like you said. He fell down, wept, and said, you're my real dad. Only God can do that. I'm saying all that to say this. You need to pray for pastors. And you have to realize that God calls them. We're not perfect. But God uses imperfect vessels. And he still speaks through his word, through preachers, and pastors, teachers. And the third one, he speaks through promptings of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Jesus said that the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you. 
all things and remind you of everything I said to you. So the Holy Spirit is our teacher and he dwells within us and he can speak to us and he can give us nudges. He can tell us, come this way. So what Hazel McCallion was to Mississauga, Vic Copps was to Hamilton back in the 70s. And uh, I was in praying. I always take time around the altar through the week. And uh, he came to mind, so I was praying for him because he was a good mayor, long longevity. But he had run around in the spring around the lake to, it was a marathon, and he had a major stroke. So I'm around uh, 28. And as I was praying, the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance about Nebuchadnezzar and how he looked out and how, look what I've done. And God struck him down. Remember that story? So the Lord said, I want you to go and pray for Mayor Copps, and I'll restore him. Well, with fear and trepidation, I went. And I got on the elevator, and there was me and one nurse, and she had this hood and everything. And we got off at the same floor. She turned left. I turned right. And then got the nurse's station. Oh, you've got to go back this way because there's a big door and everything. So I ring the bell and that nurse that I talked to, you know, passing time on the elevator, <laughs> um, she came and said, oh, it's you. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm a minister and I want, I, I, I want to come and pray for Mayor Copps. Oh, wait, wait here. So she went and got his wife, Geraldine. And she said he can come in. So I came in. And Mayor Copps was sitting in a lazy boy with an oxygen tent over him. And he was... And I came to him, and I spoke to him. His wife stood by. And I said, Mayor Copps, I'm David Tapley, and I'm a minister. And the Lord told me to come and pray for you. I know you can't respond, but I believe you can hear me. And I'm going to pray for you right now in the name of Jesus that he will restore and heal you. And I prayed the prayer, and there was no difference. But I did what God said. I went back the following week because Geraldine said to me, she said, um, you can come anytime. So I didn't know them from Adam, but I found out later she was a believer. Roman Catholic, God loves us all, you know. And uh, anyway, I came back, and they said, oh, he's not in here. You have to go down to his room. And I went down to his room. He was sitting up. He was able to speak, but still scarred. Sheila was there, and her sister, and Geraldine. And I took the book in by Catherine Coombe, and I believe in miracles talked about salvation, prayed with them. Sometime later, when we needed to expand the building from the funeral home and add on, we needed parking space, which we didn't have in order to be approved. But Geraldine Copps, who was on city council, I have no proof, but I know. She bought the house next door, leveled it, 
can put in a public parking place and you don't have to pay on Sundays. And we were able to build. I'll tell you, we just need to tune in. I know I've been telling you stories, but this is how he speaks. Through his word, through anointed preachers, and through promptings of the Holy Spirit. I say those stories to you today because he still speaks today. We need to tune in. I've got more, but we'll leave it. You're doing good, Luke. And, uh, you know, we'll just cut it off there because I had more to say, but I've said enough. And so I just encourage you, in all of your getting, set aside time, not out of duty, but out of devotion, not out of discipline, but out of delight. The difference between waiting on God and praying, praying is you get rid of your grocery list. Waiting is you just sit or kneel in his presence, worship him and say, Lord, I have nothing on my agenda. I just want to hang out with you. Speak into my heart like Samuel. Speak, Lord, because I'm listening. So, Lord, bless your word to our hearts today. I know that you're speaking to us, that you led me to this message today. You know everyone that's here. And I pray, Lord God, that you will be close to each one of us, that you will draw us into intimacy with you. Give us ears to hear. Give us a desire to spend time. Speak a fresh word. We pray for those of the board that are meeting on Thursday. Prepare their hearts. May we not look on the outward and all of the different things. Because you look on the heart. And Lord, unless it sits well with our spirit, we'll pass. Give wisdom and direction. Bring the right person that will be able to bring us to the next level. Bless all the moms that are here. May they be celebrated today as they deserve it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, all I know is God is good, and I get soft when I get talking because it's so real to my heart. But I could shout if you want. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you, I just know God wants you to hear this today. So hide it in your heart and say, Speak, Lord. I'm listening. So the Lord bless you and have a great day. We'll see you next Sunday.